Hopefully you received a handout if you got a worship guide on your way in. Um, that's for you to follow along too. They're also online on our website. You can print that out or download that. If you'd like to follow along with the message, there's also some announcements. And um, at the end of that, there's some questions too. We call them doggy bag questions. That's for you maybe in your quiet time. Uh, maybe even as a family or as a couple that you want to come together and talk about, like, what, was, what really stood out to you today in the message? Because we are in the third week of our series called Jonah and the Fail. Jonah and the Fail. And we've been talking about this idea of failure over the last couple weeks, um, really looking at the story of Jonah and the whale through the eyes of failure. And the bad news that we've learned is we all fail, Right? We're all failures. No getting past that. We all fail. But the good news is that God is a God of grace. God is a God of grace. But of course, it's difficult sometimes. It's difficult for many of us often to move past our failures, right? Sometimes it's, it's easy for us to get stuck in them, let alone admit our failures. Sometimes I would dare say that our failures even feel permanent. Now, I was thinking about this, and the first thing that jumped into my mind as I was kind of processing through about how our failures feel permanent was like, has anybody ever got a tattoo that ended up differently than what you thought? Anybody here? No? Okay, well, the people have, especially people that have had some spelling errors. Um, you might want to check that before it gets inked per permanently. Yeah, how do you edit that, right? I was wondering at some of these things. Never, don't give up. Um, okay, so this is just a quick story. This actually happened recently. This poor girl, she's in Thailand. She went to the El Cheapo tattoo parlor. It was like 10 bucks to get like tattooed eyebrows. Well, look what happens. So just a note, a word of wisdom here. Don't go to the El Cheapo tattoo parlor, especially for anything permanent like that. So poor, poor lady. And um, yeah, right? We always get second chances every, okay, so breath, it should be, there's no E on breath if you didn't know that. So, but, um, but of course, like, you know, you kind of look at those things, but, but isn't it true though that Sometimes failure can feel permanent, just as much as it's been tattooed on your body, it's been tattooed on your heart, on your soul. Um, our failures aren't really funny, right? We can look back and maybe laugh at some of them, but they usually hurt, they sting, they might leave you in a place that you never really hoped or never wanted to be. I mean, maybe for you, maybe even it pertains, it's been pertaining to God, right? That maybe, maybe at once you made a vow to God or a promise to God and then you broke it. Or you made a commitment to God or to someone else and you failed them. You failed to carry out that promise. And you feel the weight of your decision. You wish you could go back and rewind time and do it over again. Because failure can make you want to hide. So the question is, though, how do we move on from failure? And how do we do so in a way that's, that's honoring to God? Well, that puts us in chapter three of the story of Jonah. And um, the reality is that Jonah is a person, just like you and I, who deserved to be counted out. Someone who deserted to be counted out, but God had other plans. 
God had other plans. And so if you're new with us, um, I just want to recap for a couple of minutes about what's been going on in this story, kind of rewind here. And we realize from the get-go that Jonah is a prophet of God. This is in the Old Testament scriptures. This is way before Jesus. Um, He's a prophet of God who disobeyed God. And the, the story starts in Jonah 1, which says, says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, and said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. So he has this job to do, to go to Nineveh. And we learned in the first week that the people of Nineveh, which is Nineveh's the capital of the Assyrian Empire at the time, they're very wicked people, and I'm not saying like New England wicked, but they're very wicked, horribly wicked people who are, it's hard to believe some of the atrocities that they committed, that when they would come into a town or a village, they would conquer it, and they would go rape and murder and skin alive and bury people in the sand. They would drive stakes through people's tongues. I'm going to add another thing this week. Another kind of gruesome thing. If you had a best friend, they would cut off some but one of your best friend's heads, and they would make you truck your best friend's head in a little parade around the city. Like, awful, right? Like, who does that kind of stuff? This is all from history. They would build pyramids of skulls outside their city to show the towns that they had conquered, and God told Jonah to go there, right? Crazy, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Not only probably was he scared, maybe he knew somebody that they had done one of those crazy things to, right? So instead of hopping on the next camel to go to Nineveh, Jonah hopped on a boat and he headed in the opposite direction, 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. But then, of course, he's on this boat. God sends this huge storm, and the boat is about to break up and fall apart. And Jonah finally reveals hey, guys. This is my fault. I'm not doing what I was supposed to do. Hey, throw me overboard. And eventually, with great reluctance, the sailors and the captain of the ship does. They did. But scripture says that as Jonah gets into the water, as he falls into the water being thrown overboard, the Lord provided, we looked at that word, the Lord provided a fish, a giant fish that captured Jonah. And he spent three days and three nights in the belly of this fish that God provided to rescue him. You know, sometimes God shows up in whales that we really don't prefer to have, but he's actually providing for us. And last week we looked at what Jonah did in that belly of the whale, this prayer of repentance that he shares about coming back to obey God. And the last verse eventually says that the Lord calls and the fish throws up Jonah onto the shore and that's where we're picking up in the story in chapter 3. So, so chapter 3 starts with, this, with the first verse here. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a what? A second time. Interesting, huh? A second time. And in the Hebrew, in case you're curious of this, in the Hebrew, the, the word used here is shanai. Shanai. Can you guys say that with me? Shanai. We're learning a lot of Hebrew today. We're going to have a bunch of different words here. Shanai, which means again which means a second time, a second chance. So think about this. The one who did not give in in any way the first time, he deserves a second chance. He gets a second chance from God, a second chance. So the first thing I think we need to realize from this story, this part of the story, is that God gives disobedient people second chances. God gives disobedient people 
second chances. You know, a lot of us won't give second chances, but God is a God of second chances. He came to Jonah, a Shenai, a Shenai, a second time. Think about your own story for a couple minutes, though. How many times has God come to you, a Shenai, a second time? Or maybe a third time. Uh, for myself, I was thinking about this. I remember that God came to me as a, when I was a child in a really real, in a very, very real and impactful way. And, um, and even just growing up in the Catholic Church tradition, and there were certain moments that I experienced God, I was very, very close to him. And then after college, my grandmother passed away, the only grandparent that I had ever gotten to know um, and there was a moment there that I felt very close to God, that God had come to me. And then eventually, years later, a person from work invited me to a Bible study that they were starting at lunchtime. And he came to me there as well in the midst of that small group of people. And I look back and I see the times when God has come to me, a Shinai, a Shinai, a Shinai. And you probably have similar moments and times that you kind of said, no, Nope, uh, not ready. No, no, nah, God, like, ah, I don't want to do that. Like, you know, but you can look back now and you can see them very, very clearly. And that's what's happening with Jonah. He came a second time. He came a second time, a second chance, a second opportunity. And, and I think that makes us realize that God's grace is for those of us who have been disobedient. And God's grace is, works kind of like, I think, like an etch-a-sketch. You all know what an etch-a-sketch is. You know, it's like one of those things. It's a, what they use in Arkansas for computers, believe it or not. Um, that was a joke. But, but it's kind of like, you know, you have the Etch-a-Sketch that, the, the thing, and what do you, you turn the knobs and you, like, draw pictures and write things, and then what do you do to get rid of it? This is not, this is like the old version of Snapchat, I think, right? Old version of Snapchat. You shake, right? Shake your booty. Yeah, you shake and shake and shake, and then it gets cleared away. And so you might write something to your brother, your sister that you might not be supposed to. And then what do you do? You shake, 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 right? Shake, it goes away. And I think God's grace is like that. It, it clears the slate. It clears the slate on us. One thing to make clear, though, is that it doesn't clear away the consequences of our disobedience. Often the consequences still remain. They're kind of built in there. It doesn't mean that God causes them, but, but that God still clears the slate, and then we continue in Jonah 3, 2. This is what, what God says. This is the second chance. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim, it, and proclaim to it the message I give you. And what's the first word in that verse? Go. Go. And believe it or not, our little word go is actually two words in the Hebrew. It's, it's kum. It's kind of like zoom, like rhymes with zoom, kum. And then the second word is yalak. Yalak, whom yalak, which means together, it means like go immediately. There's an urgency with it. Not a, hey, go and like tomorrow when your schedule allows, like you can kind of fit it in. It means go now, urgently, suddenly. See, I think Jonah know, or God knows that both Jonah and us, don't we talk ourselves out of things if we don't do them right away? Like there's things that we should, you should do, you know, that's on your agenda and if you put it off long enough, it's just like not going to happen. So God encourages, he, he tells Jonah, go immediately. This is what I want you to do. And I think the second thing we realize here, not only does God give Jonah a second chance, the disobedient one, but he gives these very wicked people second chances. 
Let that settle in your spirit for a minute. God gives wicked people second chances. The people you and I would write off, the people that have been so, so cruel. And you notice in the, in the scripture, God calls Nineveh this, this great city, this great city. How, how, do, how does that go, right, if they're really wicked and they're cutting people's heads off and that kind of stuff? Well, we have to realize that at the time, they were very great in influence and in power. They had about a population of about 120,000 people. This is kind of a sketch of what the city would have looked like. It was a cultural epicenter. And, and it, was a, it was a time that, that basically these people came in and they wound up destroying Israel in 721 B.C., but they were actually one of the most influential historical cities of the time. It was surrounded by a wall seven and a half miles long. Think about the amazing engineering practices, like without excavators, right, without cranes that these people created. They had a palace that was made of 160 million bricks. Get that, 160 million bricks, these great extravagant places in the city of Nineveh. But God sent Jonah to them, and he sent Jonah to him to give them a second chance, a second chance. And so the scripture goes on to tell us, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. Surprise, right? Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. And now Nineveh was a very large city. Like I said, it took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Well, the word began, so we look in, in verse 4. Jonah began, it's the Hebrew word chalabo, which may, actually means to begin but also as a second meeting. And that means to untie or to loosen. Think about that. It means to untie or to loosen. So in order for Jonah to start in the direction that God wanted him to go, he had to let go. When, in order to begin, he had to let go. Doesn't that go together, right? That we too need to chalibo. We often need to untie ourselves or let go of something in order to follow where God wants us. Jonah's things he needed to let go of probably involved things like fear, anger, self-will, pride, right? Pride. Who wants to take that second chance, right? Control. The things that, that we wrestle with. You know, and imagine, imagine in his obedience, he's walking forward in Nineveh, ready? He's walking through the city. He's ready to go. And imagine he received this word. I don't know what was going through his mind, but he's probably like, okay, I'm going to have to like preach to these people, and these people are going to kill me, right? Like he had to come to terms with that at this time. And, and imagine that as he's walking, he's doing sermon prep in his head. He's preparing for a message, you know, that what kind of message or sermon do you preach to people that are going to kill you? You know, it's, it's kind of like he has like a three-point sermon, like step one, stop being mean. Step two, think happy thoughts. And step three, don't worry, be happy, guys. Now I have some bad news to share with you, right? Think, imagine that interaction. Imagine he was scared to death. And then what did he say? He says, actually, only five words in Hebrew. Five words. He says he proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. That's what he shares. It was direct but also very offensive. <laughs> there is not, no kind of glossing over, don't worry, be happy. And then, by the way, this, we're going to kind of stick this in here. The word overturn in Hebrew, it, it kind of has a double meaning. It 
as well. It's kind of like saying, like, if I said the word bar, you know, would you think of the place that people go to get drinks, or you would think of, like, the soap? Like, I don't know. But it's this word hippoc, hippoc, which means overturned and destroyed, but it also means changed. It means changed. That, that not only will the city of Nineveh be overturned or destroyed, but it's also going to be changed, forever changed, a second chance, a second chance for very cruel people who have done horrible, horrible things. But also, there's a time on it here, too. There's a limited time. It's kind of like my favorite pumpkin spice coffee, as a matter of fact. It's a limited time thing. By January, it's gone. You don't get it very much anymore. See, there's things that have a limited, they have a time stamp on it. There's a limited time, a limited time to accept that second chance. So he's saying in a way, don't wait on this, Nineveh. Don't wait. Like in 40 days, there's something real that's going to take place here. But here's your chance. And then we go on the next verse, verse 5, which would probably be one of the most difficult verses for anyone who would hear this to actually believe. It says this, the response, the Ninevites believe God. The Ninevites believe God. A fast was proclaimed. Oh my gosh, not only did they believe, but they're doing a fast was proclaimed, and all of this from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. They seize the second chance. They seize the second chance. They respond to the second chance. And the first thing that we see that in seizing that second chance involves believing God. Believing God. See, anybody that would be reading this, anybody that would be hearing this story, like, we kind of had like a, okay, well, that's kind of like what happened. But they would have been totally shocked. They'd be like, the Ninevites? Like, how does that work? No stinking way, right? No, that's crazy. It's like if I would share with you, hey, the new newsflash just got on my phone. Howard Stern is now getting into Christian radio. Yeah, th- like, that's like the shock factor here. It's crazy town. But what is their response? They fasted. They fasted. Fasting is that symbol of humility and repentance and and a desire for us to hear from God, to listen to God. They they put on sackcloth as another response. Sackcloth, I don't know if you've ever tried that. That's a nice wardrobe, maybe for Halloween. But it's made of goat's hair. It's very bad. Like, it's itchy. This is not like your special soft cotton material. It's kind of like the burlap stuff. And they're saying, we repent We believe, and so we are wearing this physical reminder of our sin on ourselves. They meant it. They showed it. They began living it. So when confronted with God's truth, do you believe? Do you believe, or do you justify yourself, or try to move on from there? Do you believe God and respond in that way to say, yeah, you know what? I blew it, but Lord, I'm going to believe you this time. And not only that, but I'm going to respond to you. The story continues. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, now we're going to the king, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, which never happened in a million years, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. He's going all out here. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Everybody getting the sackcloth thing going on. Let everyone call urgently on God. 
Let them give up their evil ways and violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Seizing the second chance also involves getting a different perspective. Getting a different perspective. For the king to leave the throne was a symbol of his own personal repentance. But then, then for him to take off his royal robes to put on sackcloth, totally unheard of. Uh, He laid aside, think about it, he laid aside, he got up off the throne, he put that aside. He laid aside his robe, saying, those things don't matter, but what matters is that I'm changing my view on what is important here. Those things that I thought mattered don't matter anymore compared to what I'm facing now. You might be uh, familiar with the historic figure, uh, George Washington Carver. He was a scientist, and what was he known for? His inventions involving Peanuts, yes, peanuts, hundreds of products, hundreds of products that he developed from the peanut. Well, there was a fascinating quote that stood out to me from him. He once said this, he said, when I was young, I said to God, God, tell me the mystery of the universe. But God answered, that knowledge is reserved for me alone. So I said, God, tell me the mystery of the peanut. Then God said, well, George, that's more nearly your size. And he told me. See, it's that different perspective on ourselves. Maybe the universe doesn't revolve around me. Maybe there are more important things. See, when we cry out to God, often it's not a mount of changing God, but it's about changing us and our perspective. And this proclamation that he makes to Nineveh to raise the standard from himself to all to fast all to fast. He says, let us call urgently on God. Basically, he's saying, let, let us change. Let us change here, guys. We have to change, not just with our words, right? Walk the walk, talk the talk, right? All the, but not just with our words, but with our actions. With our actions. It's time for God's mercy. It's time for a new perspective. It's, it's a time for having that view of what's important, Seizing the second chance. And I think for us too, right, that we need to repent of some things personally, individually, even corporately. As, as the big C church, right, we've, been, we've messed up. We're, we are messed up. Um, you know, for many of us that we've had this materialistic drive in our lives and we've been pulled into, hey, everybody has the latest and the greatest and we're trying to get more money and get more things, We need to personally repent of that and not just talk about it, but actually act like it. For we need to repent that many of us don't know any of the poor, don't know anyone that looks differently than us or actually has a relationship with. We can say, okay, well, I'm pro this or I'm pro that, but how do we actually live? How do we act? Maybe maybe it needs to start with, as Michael Jackson said, the man in the mirror, right? It needs to start with me. It needs to start with you. It's not just a matter of talking about it, but taking it seriously. That's what the king does. He takes it seriously. And Jonah preaches. And the Ninevites, imagine this, the Ninevites, who are the people furthest from God or thought to be furthest from God, said, we're going to turn to God. We're going to turn to God. See, what stuck out to me here is that sometimes those who appear the furthest are actually the closest. Those who think they're the closest might actually be the furthest. It's that posture, that perspective 
of humility. And, and how does this chapter close? Verse 10 tells us, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. I think the third part of seizing that second chance is moving forward and doing so in grace. Moving forward in grace. God wants to show us grace. God gave them a second chance, and failure can be very paralyzing. It can cause us to get stuck. It can cause us to shrink back and try to remain safe or stick to what we know. I once heard a preacher say, though, Never put a period where God put a comma. Never put a period where God put a comma. God gives us a second chance. And the truth is, you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But that's what grace is. That's what grace is. See, other religions characterize God or the idea of God often as a far-off figure, as a non-relational being, as a lightning bolt casting dude in the sky ready to smite humanity. But see, Jesus, though, reveals our God as a loving Heavenly Father who loves us recklessly and wants us to live in Him. See, our God is a God of second chances. A God of second chances. But do you believe it? Do you receive it? And not just for you, but for them. And I don't know who your them is, Some of us, it's harder to receive grace, to receive a second chance. For others, it's harder to give it to the them. But it's also for them, but not just for them, but for you too. And so today, today I want you to think about something that you may be holding on to. Something that you're holding on to that you need to let go of in order to do what God wants you to do. And one of those things may be shame, or it may be paralysis, or it may be pain, maybe anger, it may be even hatred even. It may be something that you've done or something that you're stuck in, something that you, you can't move on and get past, but to know that, yes, just like Jonah, God's giving you a second chance, and he's giving you a third chance, and he's giving you a 50th chance, that, that he wants us to live on in him and to know that our God is a God who not only loves but grants those second chances. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we turn to you today, Lord. We turn to you as our God, that just like the same God of Jonah, Lord, who gives second chances, Lord. And I pray that you would stir us up, Lord, that you would break our own hearts for the ways that we've shown ungodliness, Lord. But Lord, to know that you forgive us for our sins, Lord. You forgive us for the things that we failed you in. Lord, I ask you to stir us as individuals. Lord, I ask you to stir me, Lord. That you would stir me and then you would stir your people. That you would give us that divine passion. And Lord, that you would even dare us to to step out, Lord, and to live out that second chance, Lord. Lord, that you would empower us to let go of anything that keeps us from doing what you want us to do. Help us to know you as the God of second chances, no matter what we've been through or experienced, Lord. I ask you to to help us to let go of self-pity and regret. Lord, I ask you to help us to free us from the fear of failing yet again. And Lord, I help help us to be instruments of grace. Lord, as those who have received that, 
to know that, that as we live and, and move in you, Lord, that we give second chances. We, we honor you with what we say, but also with what we do, Lord, and how we respond. And let our words not just be words, that when we say we believe that our actions would show that, that our actions would prove that, Lord. And Lord, help us to recognize that the ways that we've messed up are not the end of the road. It's not the end of the sentence, but maybe just a pause and maybe an opportunity to not only change our direction, but Lord, but to focus our eyes on you, on you, Lord, as the one who knows us and loves us and meets us here, Lord. And Lord, help us to follow you more closely, Lord. And, and as you've drawn your people together, help us to pray these words that your, your son, Jesus Christ, taught your, his disciples to pray. And so we share together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.